I love starting my day out with a beautiful smoothie that's packed with superfoods to fuel both my body and my mind. Knowing how to pair fruits, veggies, and superfoods can take practice. Finding the best nutritionist-supported recipes and ingredients is something so many of us just don't have time for. Well, you can take the guesswork and time out of your shopping and blending. Now you can get all of your superfoods super fast with Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest sends superfood eats straight to your door with your choice of smoothies, activated breakfast bowls, or even nice cream, vegan sundaes. Just place them in your freezer until you're hungry, then add water, maybe coconut or almond milk, blend or heat. In just 30 seconds, you'll have an insanely delicious and nutritious meal. Each cup is made of a yummy blend of fruits, veggies, and nutrients, always perfectly complemented with a superfood boost. Produce from Daily Harvest is organic and unrefined, and it looks as amazing as it tastes. You can actually see the whole ingredients when you open the cup. Daily Harvest works closely with local farmers across the U.S. and freezes all ingredients at peak freshness to seal in their maximum nutritional value, unlike other fruits and veggies that are picked and packaged long before their nutritional peak. You can eat right, right now with Daily Harvest. For all my U.S. listeners, you can go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code YOGAGIRL to get three items free off of your first box. That's promo code YOGAGIRL for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com. Daily-harvest.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. I hope you are all having a magnificent week. And if you're not, I hope you're taking care of yourself and you're beginning the weekend by doing something amazing just for you. Um, I'm going to start off by sharing that the theme of this week's podcast is sleep parenting and babies. So this is a little disclaimer. Uh, If you don't have a baby, if you are not a sleep deprived parent, you may not resonate as well with this podcast as you have other weeks. Um, You can stay tuned and listen in. But really what I'm going to talk about this week is super baby related. And I was debating whether or not I should do this podcast because it is so geared or so focused on uh, a certain demographic. So only certain people are going to find this podcast super, super interesting. And I don't like to alienate anybody else. I'd like to do the podcasts um, in a way that they fit, you know, anyone who wants to tune in and listen. However, I get so many requests from sleep deprived parents, moms and dads. Literally every day there's a new comment or a new email from someone asking, what did we do to get our baby to sleep through the night or get close to sleep through the night, which is where we are at right now. And just because I know the pain, like I so deeply know the pain and the torture of not being able to sleep. And I did so much research on this subject that I was joking the other day, I should write my own book on sleep because that's how much research I've done. Um, I just, I know the pain, I know how hard it is. So I really, I want to share these tips and the things that have truly, truly worked for us because some things actually do work. There is a way out of that pit of despair, I promise you. So um, without further ado, I'm going to dive in to, to this week's episode. If you have been following me on Instagram or any social media for the past couple of months, you know I have a baby girl. Her name is Leah Luna. She is seven months old, uh, actually right now, God time flies seven months. How is she seven months already? That's just totally crazy. And 
we've of course had our ups and downs with her. It's been mostly absolutely magnificent and just the best, most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, the hardest part about being a parent um, by far in my experience, uh, aside from the overwhelming constant worry that something's going to happen to her, that's for sure the worst and the hardest part. Aside from that, the most challenging thing, at least in my book, is sleep. And we started off pretty good. Like she was born in March, so she was two weeks overdue, which meant she was, um, I think, a little bit more developed than maybe a normal newborn. Like she was, you know, everything was happening really quickly. She's really early discovering things. She ate well, she slept well. We had no issues. Uh, and I didn't really understand like the whole thing with why, why sleep so hard. Like sleep was totally fine. She slept a lot in the beginning. And we co-sleep. So me, my husband, uh, the baby, and also one of our three dogs uh, sleep in bed. So we have three dogs, two are big ones. We uh, have the big ones sleeping in the kitchen now. Uh, but our little Ringo still sleeps in bed with us. It's a pretty crowded bed. Um, but I knew I wanted to keep my baby really close at all times. I didn't want her in her own bed. I didn't want her in her own room. Like all of that seemed really foreign to me. I wanted her as close to me as possible. So for the first six weeks of her life, she literally slept on top of me. <laughs> that was our reality. I had a little co-sleeper bed that was attached to the side of our bed uh, that she was supposed to sleep in, but it just it didn't happen that way. So she literally slept on top of me and I would kind of wake up and breastfeed and then doze off a little bit. But I, I never really slept, but it wasn't a problem. I think I had so much, you know, so many hormones in my body and just so wired from this brand new uh, chapter in life that it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal at all. And then at around, you know, month two, three, she slept so well. Like she would, you know, some nights wake up like once, some nights she didn't wake up at all. Sometimes she woke up barely just to eat a little bit. Like sleep wasn't really a thing actually month two and three. And I had so many people that were asking like, oh, like how is, how, how is she sleeping so well? Wow, what an amazing baby. And I thought to myself, yes, yes, I have an amazing baby. My baby is the best baby. My baby sleeps. She does everything right. <laughs> like I really was kind of walking around with this idea that my baby was special some, some, somehow. Of course, all babies are special, but um, she's now seven months old. I have grown a lot wiser. Uh, and let me tell you this, there's nothing particularly <laughs> special and amazing about how my baby sleeps. If you ever, you know, if you have someone in your life that's bragging about how much their baby sleeps and, you know, if you are a sleep deprived parent, that just kind of rubs us the wrong way. Like it's not fun. makes us feel like we're doing something wrong. Like if other people have babies that sleep all the time and our baby doesn't, um, it's not a great thing to hear. So for anyone that felt offended <laughs> during my first months of motherhood, when I was kind of sharing all over Instagram of how amazing our nights were, um, I'm terribly sorry. I did not know what the hell I was <laughs> talking about <laughs> and I did not know what life had in store. Um, Q month four in our baby girl's life. Uh, apparently month four is a pretty common sleep regression phase. I didn't know about this, um, but all of a sudden she stopped sleeping and it started really slowly. Like it didn't just overnight become totally nightmarish. It was just kind of creeping up on us a little bit. Um, and because we never really had big sleep issues, I never reflected on her sleep either. So we didn't have any sort of schedule. I had no real clue when her, you know, whenever she would nap or why she would nap more at certain times or not. Or, you know, I didn't really think I wasn't very conscious about her sleep at all because it wasn't something I had to think about. And then all of a sudden, month four, 
she stopped sleeping. And I recognized it first because she would completely stop napping in the day. And before she would take like little naps here and there, I wouldn't really keep track, but all of a sudden they got really, really short. So she would sleep like 15 minutes or 20 minutes and then be up. And it was actually my mom who, uh, who told me one day, like, it's so, so odd to me that she, that she never sleeps. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, it's not bad. Like she's, she sleeps pretty well, I think. And she's like, well, I mean, my mom has four kids. She says, well, all of you guys, all of my kids always had like two big sections in the day where they would sleep like for at least an hour or sometimes two. And that's when you got all your stuff done. Like that's when you do laundry or that's when you like if you have to work or you have to do something like, you know, that's when you, you get your things done. But you never, you know, we never have that time with Luna. She's just never, ever sleeping. And then I thought about that and I was like, well, is it weird? Is she supposed to be sleeping more than 15 minutes? Because that's that, that was the length of her naps. Um, but I still didn't do any research. I wasn't reflecting on it that much. I was just like, well, okay, well, maybe she's, she's just too intelligent. <laughs> she's so smart. She doesn't need sleep. <laughs> she's so taking in all of her surroundings. You know, she's so smart. She doesn't want to sleep. She realizes that it, there's more fun things to do than sleep. She's just smarter than all other babies. That's why she doesn't sleep. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm pretty sure I said something along those lines. Um, and then we went to Sweden. We spent a couple of weeks or a lot of weeks in Sweden this summer. Sweden is six hours ahead of Aruba, which meant, uh, of course, the moment we arrived, we were super duper jet lagged. Uh, so she would normally in Aruba, you know, fall asleep for the night around seven or so. And then all of a sudden in Sweden, she'd be up until 10 or 11 at night, which we were as well. We were also super jet lagged. Um, and somehow we never weaned our way out of that. Like we spent six weeks in Sweden this last trip and she was up till 10, 11 at night every single day. Um, and when we live in, when we're in Sweden, we have this tiny, tiny, um, it's, it's not even a one bedroom apartment. It's a studio apartment. So the bed is in the living room, which is also in the kitchen and in the bathroom. <laughs> like everything is just one <laughs> tiny room. Um, and it also meant that, you know, if, if she would go to sleep at seven for the night, that meant that, you know, mine and Dennis's night was just over. Like, you know, because we can't make too much noise. We wouldn't be able to watch a movie or, you know, talk because she would literally be in the same room as us. So for us, it was kind of convenient that she was up till 10, 11. We didn't really like, oh, you know, we all go to bed at the same time. We co-sleep. She stays up as, until we go to bed. Um, that's kind of how things started. And then they started getting progressively worse. So her naps completely disappeared in the day. Like she just wouldn't go to sleep um, at all. Uh, I would have to put her in a stroller and rock her and walk back and forth like on a mission, just shaking the stroller um, to try to force her to sleep. And then finally she would fall asleep and I would like, oh, you know, relax. And then three minutes later, she'd be up and shrieking, just screaming. And somehow um, she wasn't cranky. Like she was still pretty okay in the day. Um, she would get really cranky in the nights. And, and I recognize that now she was really hyperactive. So in the nighttime, she would be playing and laughing and rolling around and just, you know, she was so hyperactive in the nights. And it, it was kind of masquerading as this like, oh, she's not tired at all. She's so energetic. She doesn't need to sleep until way later. I've done enough research now to know that that is just not the case. But more on that later. So this got worse and worse and worse and worse until we got to the point where she wouldn't fall asleep until 11 it became 12, it became one in the morning and she's still up. And then to actually get her to sleep for the night meant we had to bounce her on our shoulder up and down, walking up and down this tiny little apartment, playing Harry Belafonte day-o. 
you know, the banana song over and over again, literally on repeat. It was that song or it's uh, Baba Hanuman by Ram Dass, like a mantra song that we also play a lot. Dancing, 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 dancing. Uh, when it got like at the worst point, we could easily spend one to two hours bouncing her up and down to try to coax her to sleep. And in the end, you know, she's just crying. She's so unhappy. She couldn't fall asleep. And I was just like, I didn't know what I was doing wrong. I couldn't understand it because it was fine before and now it wasn't. And this went on for a while. We had two to three weeks of really horrible nights. So she would fall asleep so late, like 12 or one. And then she would wake up once every two hours or once every hour and a half. And uh, it was still, you know, I was getting enough little sleep here and there that I could sort of function in the day. So I, I still had meetings. I was working full time, recording these podcasts, like doing all the stuff that I was doing in Sweden. And then we sort of hit a wall. I, I, I can't really remember exactly <laughs> exactly how it went down, but it went from her waking up every 90 minutes to two hours at night to her waking up every hour at night to her waking up every 30 minutes. And then we had three nights in a row where every five to 10 minutes she would wake up. I, I, I am not, I'm not kidding. So it would take two hours to get her to sleep. She would finally sleep. I would do this transfer as if I was like dismantling an atomic bomb, right? I'm like putting her in bed as carefully as I can. No one is allowed to say anything. And we have these wooden floors in our apartment in Sweden and they creak, you know? So if anybody had to go to the bathroom or wanted to get a glass of water, it was like, is it worth it to go up and pee right now? Because just stepping on the floor the wood boards might make a noise that might wake the baby up. And then we have to start this cycle all over again. Like it wasn't worth it to go pee. I held my pee at night and forced myself to try to sleep because I was so terrified that, that she would wake up. So it became this, oh, just talking about it now gives me like shivers in a really bad way. Energetically, sleep became this horrible, difficult thing right? It became this like, oh, I was just dreading the nights and it was building up to this. And I knew we had this horrible thing that happened every night and it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And after those three nights of her waking up literally every five to 10 minutes, I would put her down, she'd sleep and then her pacifier would fall out and she would just wake up screaming, you know, one of those, (laughs) after those three days, I had a full on meltdown, like a complete meltdown. I, <laughs> I remember being, I don't know, four in the morning, one of those nights, uh, I stepped into the bathroom, locked myself in, got into the shower and put the shower on, on the hottest like level of the shower and just sat there in the tub, just kind of rocking back and forth. Like, like I was having a total like psychic, like psychotic, I mean, <laughs> meltdown, like I couldn't function. And I still had all these things to do in the days. I would take meetings and sit there like a zombie. And literally the moment the meeting was over, I couldn't remember a single thing that was said. I couldn't remember anything that we had decided on. It was just horrible. I was crying all the time. Uh, There is one podcast you can listen on that I recorded. I think the day after one of these really horrible nights that we had so many of in a row where I'm just bawling into the microphone, just crying. Uh, The podcast episode is called uh, Just a Mom, Sleep, Deprivation, and Other Stories. So if you want to venture back in time for how awful things were, you can go listen then to that episode. Um, So, you know, we hit that point and I just realized, okay, this is not working. Like it's not working. I can't live like this. I I have to change something. It's really, really, I have to do something. This can't be normal. I mean, no, 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 no. So what did I do? 
I love to do research. I love school. Sometimes I miss school. <laughs> Am I the only one who like really loved? I loved going to school. I loved taking tests and writing papers and studying. Like I loved it. I miss it. <laughs> so any opportunity for me to study up on something usually is like a joy. I like to do research. Um, in this matter, it wasn't so much liking to do research, but feeling so desperate, I would have done anything to find a solution to the problem. So I read eight books on sleep um, within, I think, a week and a half. <laughs> eight books on sleep. Um, I'm going to mention a couple of them here. There were a few that I definitely wouldn't recommend, but I don't want to out anyone or hurt any, anybody's feelings. So I'm going to share four books that I really liked. Uh, none of them was like a cookie cutter you know, book that I could just open up and follow every step. And then that worked. That didn't happen for me. But I googled a bunch. I read these books. I asked for a lot of advice through social media and friends and family. And then I took all the pieces that sort of made sense to me and that felt like, okay, this makes sense. This should work. And I created my own little thing, right? So basically what we've been doing for the past, let me see, five weeks, six weeks is sleep coaching Lea Luna not in a traditional sense. So the books that I read were, uh, the first one that I read was uh, Healthy Sleep Habits, Healthy Child, or Healthy Sleep Habits, Happy Child, it's called, um, by Mark Weisbluth. Um, my friend Carrie recommended that. You guys might know Carrie. She's Beach Yoga Girl on Instagram. Um, she recommended that and it's super awesome. It's a pretty heavy read. Like it's very scientific. I like that because I like to know why I'm applying things that I'm applying to my life. Um, I can't just have someone, you know, tell me do that. It works. I need to know like why would that work? Um, and that book is great for that. If you are sleep deprived and you haven't slept for weeks or months or years, uh, that's a pretty tough read. Just just a little disclaimer there. Um, so I read that one. Another one I read was Good Night Sleep Tight by the Sleep Lady. Her name is Kim West. I also had a sleep consultation uh, with Kim. She's super awesome. Highly, highly, highly recommend the Sleep Lady. Um, I just kind of like her as a person also. Uh, not everything, you know, every single part of, of, of the book. I don't, you know, didn't use everything, but a lot of things really worked for me. Um, and then I read two books by a woman named Heidi Holvoot. I'm so sorry, I'm butchering that last name. One was No Tears Nap and one was No Tears Self-Soothing. Uh, those were, I don't know if I would even call them books. They're like little workbooks. So super simple, kind of designed for people that can barely, that barely remembers their name anymore because they're so sleep deprived. Um, those were the ones I applied in the middle of the really shitty times because it was hard for me to digest like big pieces of, of text. Um, and then I also had a session with Anna Frisk, who, uh, if you're in Stockholm, Sweden, you can look her up. She does Anna's Profilax. She's super awesome. Super, super, super cool. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. Vitamins and supplements are one of the best basic ways to ensure you're meeting your body's nutritional needs. But it can feel impossible to figure out which ones to take, especially when you're standing in the vitamin aisle without a knowledgeable professional there to help you out. I know I've spent way too much time in my own vitamin research over the years, and I still find myself second-guessing and turning around to look for more information before I'm sure I'm making the best choice for me. Well, Care Of is a new kind of vitamin company. Honesty is their cornerstone, and their transparency is obvious. On TakeCareOf.com, you can breeze through a quick questionnaire about your diet and health goals and arrive at a personalized list of the best natural supplements for your unique body. 
Each vitamin is described in detail, where in the world the best ingredients is from, and how they are processed, the listed benefits, and the honest result of case studies conducted with it. All of it easily displayed alongside your recommended dose. Once you review, edit, and confirm your personalized order, your first monthly shipment will be on its way. Your supplements come in personalized daily packs, making your daily routine super duper easy. Getting recurring monthly orders means you never have to miss a day or deal with replacing bottles. You can modify your subscription at any time too. Best of all, you actually save money when you get your vitamins from Care-of compared to your local health food store. My care of daily packs include adaptogen and energy boosting vitamins, super helpful for me as a businesswoman, of course, as a mom. Having the daily packs makes it that much more possible to remember to take them amidst my daily schedule. Go check it out for yourself. Go to takecareof.com right now for your personalized recommendation. Use the offer code HEART and get 50% off of your first month's order. That's takecareof.com, offer code HEART, takecareof.com. So as you can tell, like I did a lot of stuff and this is not counting like all the Googling that I did, like hours of Googling um, while balancing the baby, you know, on my phone, trying to find things uh, that hopefully work. And what I was left with is this recipe of things that I applied, removed, added, changed and fixed when it comes to our lives uh, that actually worked. I'm super happy to tell you I'm sitting here today. It's five, oh, five weeks later and my baby is sleeping. We are still not at a perfect spot. So I was a little hesitant to record this podcast already. I said I wanted to have at least a whole month of solid sleeping through the night before I do a podcast on it. But I thought, you know, I'm, I'm in it now. So I might as well share before, before my brain fries from something else, because I'm sure something else is going to pop up any moment now that things are good and calm. But right now she is sleeping from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., waking up with one feeding in the middle of the night. Uh, I'm hoping to phase that one feeding out uh, maybe within a month or two. But right now that really works. And she takes naps during the day. They're long and I can put her in her crib. Listen to this. Wide awake. That piece, like I don't really care how many hours it is consecutively or if it's sleeping through or whatever you want to label it, but the fact that I can put her down wide awake and she falls asleep on her own, like the magic of that, holy shit, like it's totally freaking life-changing. So I'm going to share to you, it's kind of like a bullet point list that I've written down of all the things we did that helped Luna fall asleep. (laughs) And uh, they're not in any particular order. So I'm going to share them. If you have a pen and paper, I would recommend maybe pausing the podcast right now. Grab a pen and paper or a notebook or something so you can take little notes if you want. And then you can do your own research on each one of these things and see what works for your baby. Um, oh, shit. I, I forgot. I'm doing a podcast that's dedicated to moms. Uh, moms, <laughs> I'm not saying that this is a cookie cutter thing. I am not an expert. I'm not a pediatrician. I, I am just a person who has a baby who wasn't sleeping and now she is. So take all of my advice with a grain of salt. Don't send me hate mail through Instagram because, you know, whatever I did didn't work for you. Just, okay, chill. Here we go. So first thing that we did is we put her in her own crib. And okay, so if your baby is already in his, in his or her own crib, uh, you know, then, then this is not something that's going to apply for you. But I really loved co-sleeping. Like I loved it. I loved it so much. And in the beginning, before I had the baby, I wanted just to do everything as organic and as natural as possible. So 
I was kind of envisioning myself as this tribal woman, you know, walking naked through the jungle with my baby strapped to my back <laughs> with a cloth, you know, like I'm going to do things like really the, the rugged, the, the, the tribal way, like that's really resonated with me. Um, and I realized like in the beginning, for sure, co-sleeping is, is, I wouldn't have done it any other way. But by the time she got, I don't know, three or four months or so, it was actually starting to become more of a challenge to have her in bed than not. And actually, I think for her, um, I wasn't sleeping well because I was kind of frozen in this one position. If she was a deep sleeper when we were co-sleeping, it would be different because I, I could relax. Um, but I basically spent, you know, five and a half months of my life or our lives together sleeping frozen in like a pretzel-like shape because if I would move, she would stir and wake up. And this should have been a sign for me, I think, early on that maybe she should have just slept in her own bed because I think she wanted that. Um, but just because she's, she's a, is or was a pretty light sleeper. Um, and then Dennis would move around in bed and I would get so annoyed with him in the night. Like I slapped him <laughs> at night so many times because he was moving or kicking or, you know, making noise with the, with the sheets. Like it just, it took a lot of the relaxation out of the night just because we had to be, walk on eggshells, you know, in our sleep kind of, um, so putting her in her own crib, uh, I thought it would be really challenging, but it wasn't at all. It was sort of as if she had been longing for it. And some babies need their own space. Some don't. You know, I have friends that have co-slept until their kids were like four or five. Like that's also great and fine. Whatever works for you. I know people that put uh, their babies in another room from day one. Like everybody does it differently. Um, but I could just sense, you know, this was something that worked for her. So what I did, we got this beautiful crib that we had. We put it uh, at the foot of the bed. So she's still in our bedroom with us. Um, our house is really funky. Like our bedroom is on the third floor, but that's the only thing on the third floor. So the staircase that goes down is really narrow and far away from the other bedrooms. I don't want her far away. So she's she's still in our bedroom. Um, but I made the, the crib super duper cozy with really cozy organic sheets. We got a little musical mobile in there. Um, and we started really associating the crib with happy things. So I would put her in there before bedtime with, you know, just for playtime or whenever she was really happy, not with a bunch of toys because I wanted it to be associated with sleep. But I wouldn't, you know, from day one, force her in her crib and then let her cry there. Like, no, no. Um, little by little, I started introducing the crib and she really seemed to like it. Um, and then she started sleeping there. It was awesome. So that's the first thing. Put her in her own crib. The second thing we did, and we already had been doing this for a bit, so she uses a pacifier only for sleep, so only for her naps and for nighttime. We don't give her the pacifier at any other time, so the pacifier really is only associated with her sleeping. And she has a little lovey that we call Lily. It's actually a little, um, it's like a little stuffed animal blankie. Have you seen those? They're like little kind of blankets with a little stuffed animal head on it, I guess. Actually, my mom... Um, makes them <laughs> they're her own her own product and it's called lily um, so she has lily and then the pacifier we call pc because we were for a while calling it a pc fire <laughs> because pacifier brings the peace so we say lily and pc <laughs> those are her two things um, but those two things are what helps her self-soothe and you can say what you want about pacifiers some people are against it some people are pro um, i don't think it's you know neither awesome or horrible, but it really works for her because it helps her sleep for a long, long time at night. Um, and I think the fact that she's not using the pacifier in the day at all, it's just for sleep. It really helps her associate it. So whenever she gets Lillian PC, it's like she knows already it's nap time. 
Um, so getting a lovey or something that your baby can use to self-soothe, uh, super, super, super important. And I think there wasn't a single book that wasn't recommending a lovey of some sort. So that's definitely a super tip. And then this one, I think would be the single most important one. And it's the daytime naps. And I had no idea. And this is, I felt almost like cheated. Like this, if this is such an important, like crucial aspect of my baby sleeping well, why hasn't anybody told me? <laughs> you know, why hasn't, why didn't anybody tell me this? That the naps in the day, like they're the most important thing. I had no idea that this was connected at all. Um, so basically, and I've found this to be 100% true and anyone that I've recommended this to that, have, that has applied it also works for them. And the books that I read about it, like it's like super solid. So sleep begets sleep. Not the idea of tiring your baby out in the day, like exhausting your baby by playing and doing a bunch of stuff. That means that they should be super exhausted by the time night comes and then they should sleep all night. Um, it doesn't really work that way. So when a baby gets overtired, they start getting really, really, really hyper. So if they miss a nap or they haven't slept enough in the day, their brain gets so active that it's really hard for them to drop into this deep REM, like REM sleep. Um, and an overtired baby is almost impossible to put to bed, like really, really, really hard. And that's what I was seeing with Lea Luna when we were in Sweden. It was just, she was, wasn't sleeping at all in the day. And then by the night, she was so hyper, overactive. And we just thought, oh, she's so happy and she doesn't need to sleep. But no, she was exhausted. And we were, you know, keeping her up till 10, 11, thinking that everything is fine and happy. No, uh, actually, we had this kind of inside joke where we were joking that, oh, she has all these mosquito bites in the back of her neck, like behind her ears. She's always scratching her head. Um, I made a joke when the baby was really little that my mom had her out at sunset and I was like, there's mosquitoes. <laughs> Don't take the baby out like then. So she gets bug bites. But it's actually a really common sign of an overtired baby that they're pulling on their ears, scratching the back of their neck, you know, of course, rubbing their eyes, yawning. Um, but especially that scratching and pulling of the ears, I didn't know was a sleep sign. And she's done that almost her whole life, like from two to, to five months. She really, really did that because she was tired a lot. Um, and I didn't know. <laughs> so what we did was we started getting super serious about her naps, like crazy serious like so serious that you know maybe you'll have friends and family that will think that you are a crazy person <laughs> for me it was totally worth it and this meant that for a couple weeks her naps ruled our life they still kind of do actually in a way and I know if she sleeps well in the day if she has good naps on the right time and they are the right length that means that we will have a good night and I can sleep all night and I will be rested and I will be happy and we will all feel good as a family and it's so totally worth it but before this, we would do whatever we wanted in the day. So we always had the stroller or we were in the car. So if she needed to sleep, you know, she could sleep in the car or in the stroller or on the go. Um, no more. We put her on a nap schedule. Uh, what I've seen works for her. And this is also what a lot of the books recommended. It sounded really crazy to me because I always thought, you know, we'll do what feels organic. And when she gets tired, she'll sleep. Um, that also wasn't true at all. Uh, there was a lot of moments where she was tired, but she was really active and we were engaging her in a bunch of stuff where we're out and about or on the beach. Yeah, she's not going to nap then. She's having too much fun. But if I was able to catch like those windows of her starting to get tired and we were actually at home in a dark room in the crib with her lovey and her pacifier, we caught that sleep window. She all of a sudden started sleeping. First, it was like 30 minutes instead of 15 and then 45 and then one hour and then an hour and a half. And suddenly she's sleeping two, two and a half hours, um, depending on the nap time. 
crazy. <laughs> like crazy. So crazy. And I didn't believe that this was possible that she could have, you know, like what my mom said, but like normally there's like one or two at least moments in the day where they have big naps. She never had a big nap before I started introducing this. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. If you haven't caught on to that already, I love sleep. (laughs) I always have, but nothing like I do now. Yes, in part because I'm a mom and because I'm always tired, but also in part because I now sleep in the most luxuriously cozy bedding there is from Parachute. Even when we aren't sleeping, which can happen with a teething baby, we're still laying in the sheets that makes us feel even more rested than we are. Our bed lining is our silver lining. Parachute creates its products with conscious standards that sold me even before I felt the incredible fabric. Parachute manufactures its products in family-owned factories in Europe's regions that are renowned for creating amazing bedding. Each product is carefully crafted by fairly paid employees and the fabrics are 100% natural, made without any harmful chemicals or synthetic softeners. Details that are non-negotiable for the fabric my little angel sleeps in. Parachute gives back both locally to Habitat for Humanity and globally to the United Nations Foundation Nothing But Nets. With a modern design of timeless natural color palettes and fabrics that only get softer with every use, your bedding creates a beautiful impact not only in your home but also in our world. Make every bed in your home an oasis. Visit parachutehome.com slash yoga girl for free shipping and returns. And check out the new baby collection, including swaddle blankets, quilts for tummy time, and cashmere baby blankets as well. You and your family deserve this next level sleep experience. Visit parachutehome.com slash yoga girl for free shipping and returns. Try it out for 60 nights. And if you don't love it, just send it back. No questions asked. Go to parachutehome.com slash yoga girl today so how it goes and this is different uh for you know however old your baby is but she's seven months so she wakes up at seven in the morning seven seven thirty and within 90 minutes to two hours of her waking up she needs her second nap like like clockwork like 90 minutes to two hours somewhere in between And I can tell because she starts kind of losing focus or losing interest in her toys or she stares into space a little bit. If I'm present with her, I can really see like, oh, okay, she's tired. And then there's that first moment when she starts rubbing her eyes. Okay. And then we have all these inside jokes about sleep now. But then someone yells, sleep is here. (laughs) Like sleep knocked on the door. And if we then immediately, like we go upstairs to her crib, we have a blackout blind. So we make it dark and really cozy. Um, I give her her lovey and her pacifier. And then she just dives into the crib. Like she doesn't even want to be held anymore. She like reaches for the crib. And I put her down and I say, good night, baby. And then I go downstairs. So she's wide awake. Like I'm not waiting for her to get super drowsy or or, or all the way asleep. She's wide awake. And then I, I put the monitor on and I go downstairs. But this only works if I catch that window of when she's tired. If I would push it and wait another 30 minutes, she gets overtired and then she doesn't know how to fall asleep. It's like a trigger in her brain where she just kind of, we miss that window and then she just gets overtired. She gets hyper. She starts getting cranky and then it's really hard to get her to sleep. And when she does fall asleep, she only sleeps for like half an hour or 45 minutes because she can't really, I think it's, I don't know, she's just not calm enough to actually fall into a deep sleep. So this means that all her naps right now happen in a dark room in her crib at home. So yeah, we've kind of been pretty anti-social during the past month and a half. 
we've said no to a bunch of things. We don't go to the beach in the day anymore. We say no to lunches and brunches and whatever happens in the day. And we have to really schedule our time around her naps, which from some people might seem totally crazy. Not crazier than waking up every five minutes during the night. Like not crazier than having a meltdown over sleep deprivation. It's not. And it's not going to be forever. Um, we're definitely, definitely going to keep this um, schedule like because it works, right? So her first nap is already in the morning, usually around nine. She'll sleep for an hour and a half, sometimes two hours. And then uh, she's up again, an hour and a half, two hours. And then comes her afternoon nap, which sometimes is longer. And then she has a long stretch of time where she's like, you know, without napping in the afternoon. Sometimes she needs a little bonus nap of like 30 minutes. Um, but it's two to three naps during the day like clockwork at the same time and I thought it was this crazy idea that you could put your baby on a schedule and babies don't work that way well they have a rhythm just like I have a rhythm like I know um, more or less what time I get tired at night I know when I get hungry like I have a rhythm my body tells me what I need and when I need it babies have that but they don't have that way of you know orchestrating their own day to fit what they need we have to really get super conscious and listen and get really mindful about when do they need the sleep or the food or whatever it is. So we are basically nap Gestapo right now <laughs> and everything is orchestrated around the nap, but I swear to God, it works. And we're only going to be this strict, I think for another few weeks um, until this really, really sticks. And then because she's now learning how to self-soothe or she has learned how to self-soothe, it means she will be able to fall asleep anywhere um, and stay asleep. But if you're in the middle of this horrible sleep deprived moment, I would really, really, really recommend protecting the naps, getting them on a nap schedule, making sure all naps happen at home. And I always thought that, you know, if you put your baby in the car, they sleep better. If you put your baby in the stroller, they sleep better. There's something about movement. So whenever we were out and about with the baby and she would fall asleep in the stroller, I would literally sit holding onto the stroller, shaking the stroller nonstop like a crazy person. <laughs> I'm seeing it now like that's totally, totally crazy, totally nuts and, and insane because I wouldn't relax. I would never just let her be like sleep. And then I could focus on having one meal or a conversation with a friend. No, I would sit there shaking the stroller. Like if I don't shake it, she's going to wake up, which was true because her naps were shitty, shitty quality. Like she couldn't fall into a deep sleep. Now I know if we happen to be out and about in the stroller and she falls asleep, I need to stop, <laughs> find some place to sit and let her brain relax into this deep sleep mode, which only happens in stillness. And someone told me like, it's kind of like if you're on a plane or you're in a car and you fall asleep as an adult, you no matter how long you slept, like you never really feel good when you wake up. Like if you slept in a car or on a plane you know, and it's like movement and people around, like it's not the same as taking a good nap at home or sleeping in your own bed. Of course not. Um, and the same goes for babies. Like we need stillness to fall into a deep sleep. So protecting the naps, nap schedule and stopping the movement, right? And there's some of the books that I mentioned where they kind of recommend how if your baby only sleeps with movement, you can ease them out of that um, little by little. I really like the little by little, like phasing, um, these kind of, you know, uh, habits that don't work, like phasing them out versus just stopping cold turkey. Another thing that we tried is white noise, um, which is not something that she needs to sleep. But if I know, for instance, like now at home, we have three dogs um, in the evenings, they get really loud. And whenever, you know, there's wind outside or someone walks by the house or whatever, they bark. 
And normally they would startle her and she would kind of wake up because she was startled by a really loud noise. Uh, there's a, uh, what's the app called? The app is called Cradle, the Cradle app. It's a really, really good app where they have just a bunch of white noise and different, they even have like lullabies and shushing noises and stuff. I put it on the rain, <laughs> the rain option. So it just sounds like there's like a little faint rain in the background. Um, and for whenever I know that we have people at the house or like, you know, there's going to be loud noises and banging, I put the white noise on and it helps her not get startled if the dogs bark. Um, so that's helpful too. But, you know, I don't know if that's going to work for anyone. Um, another thing that really works uh, is bedtime and moving the bedtime to a way earlier point. So yeah, she used to be up till 10, 11. Now she sleeps at 7 p.m. sharp. Like, and that means by 7 p.m., like we're finished with her bedtime routine and she's already in her crib ready for sleep. 7 p.m., maybe even earlier. Um, and at first I thought, oh, that's so early. Like we missed out on all this time for her to hang out with us. Um, but babies need, apparently they need a lot of sleep. Like who knew? She needs 12 hours a night. <laughs> which is kind of crazy. But this also means now consistently, since she goes down at seven every night, all of a sudden, Dennis and I have this time for ourselves, <laughs> which is totally crazy. We haven't for the past, you know, half a year had like alone time or time to just cook or have dinner or a glass of wine or watch a movie and just like be with us at all. And now we do. And it's pretty amazing. So that time from like 7 p.m. to 10 or whenever we, we go to bed, 10 or 11, um, it's just us and she consistently sleeps and we don't have to worry about her waking up or, you know, it's it's a really nice time for us to get back to our like twosomeness, you know, just being a couple. Um, so the earlier bedtime and there's something about the earlier bedtime that helps them fall into a deeper sleep also. There's something anatomical or scientific about that, but I can't, I can't quite remember. But yeah, that really works for us. And then the bedtime routine, like if you are sleep deprived and you've done any research, you know that this routine is super important. Um, right now, it's actually my favorite thing. It's my favorite part of the of the day. I love her her bedtime routine because it's becoming this thing where like she knows sleep is going to come soon. So she gets super cuddly and cozy. And uh, what we do is we take a bath or a shower, um, not every night, but but most nights. Um, and then we do, uh, <laughs> I give her like a little baby massage and then we put on her diaper and her PJs. And then we go downstairs where I feed her. So I separate the feeding from the bedroom so that she doesn't associate boob with bed. That's also a big one um, for her not to fall asleep on the boob, but to really, you know, be in her crib awake so that she learns how to fall asleep on her own. Um, and then we go downstairs and I feed her and then we read a book, like a story. And that's the best. Like, I thought she was too little, you know, at half a year to read a story. No, she loves it. And now she's even starting to like, she wants to flip the pages herself. And oh, it's the cutest, cutest thing ever. And we read the same story every night. And it's just super cozy. And then I give her the pacifier and the lovey. We go upstairs and where before I would have to like bounce her and sing and do this whole thing to get her to fall asleep. As soon as I get upstairs, she reaches for the crib. She doesn't even want to stay on my shoulder anymore. She like wants to go in the crib because she wants to put herself to sleep. She wants to do it on her own. And this is a really important part. So the, you know, the crying it out methods and all these things that were totally terrifying to me in the beginning, like I would never, ever let my baby cry uh, I thought it was the most horrible thing I'd ever read. Like, who are these monsters? <laughs> 
that let their babies scream themselves to sleep. Like you guys must be totally, oh, I thought it was the craziest thing. But yeah, now I totally get it. <laughs> and no, we didn't do a cry it out method with her. Um, none of that. But for sure, there is a portion of when they learn how to self-soothe, so they learn how to put themselves to bed, how to put themselves to sleep, there is for sure going to be a portion of complaining and a little bit of crying. Yeah, doesn't mean you're going to put your baby in a bedroom and then close the door and then come back 12 hours later and hope everything was fine. <laughs> no. Um, so for me, I knew I definitely didn't want her to cry. I didn't want there to be any type of panic or feeling of abandonment or, you know, no. But it's, uh, who was it that mentioned that to me? I love this this idea. So she said, I can't remember who, a friend, maybe Kim West, maybe the sleep lady, hmm, someone <laughs> um, told me that every time you put your baby down for a nap or for sleeping at night um, and they're already asleep when you put them down, um, they've missed a sleep lesson that they could have learned. So every time that you put your baby down awake, or a lot of these books talk about drowsy but awake, which means, um, you know, that they're drowsy and they're sleepy, but they're not asleep yet. So they still get to do that last stretch by themselves. Every time that you put them down still awake, they get to learn a little sleep lesson. So they get to get a little bit better, you know, when it comes to soothing themselves to sleep. So not relying on mom's boobs or being bounced or having goddamn Deo banana Harry Belafonte sung to you 155 times <laughs> every single night. And I can really see it now because I saw how this would, it worked actually in the day, the first time, how, what a relief it was for her. Like it was a, it was a super relief for her to learn how to do this on her own. So she would cry a little bit. She would complain. It wouldn't get bad. She was just kind of exclaiming like, hello, like, Normally I get bounced now. Hello, where's Harry? <laughs> she was kind of, you know, talking and, and crying a bit, but not at all bad. Um, and then I would just go to her and I would stroke her a little bit and I say, okay, honey, you're going to sleep now. But I didn't pick her up or, you know, start bouncing her again. And then it just got quiet. And the first time that happened, I ran <laughs> into her room and I was like, oh my God, she choked on something. She died. What is this? And she was just sleeping peacefully pacifier in her mouth, holding her lovey in her hand, like close to her face, you know, just cuddling asleep. And I was like, oh my God, is this real? Like Dennis, she's sleeping. She just fell asleep. And she slept for five or six hours straight after that first time. And then I did it again. And I did it for nap time where I put her down, you know, still awake, but just a little bit drowsy. And she would complain a little less. And then she would just fall asleep and it got quiet and she slept for so long. And I started seeing how, okay, it works, right? So she um, eventually, you know, it's a crutch. Imagine if every time you wanted to sleep at night, you needed like a giant person to hold you. That's a super, I mean, it's like a handicap. It's a total crutch to not be able to just, okay, I'm tired now. I want to sleep. And then you can sleep on your own. Just put yourself to bed. It's got to suck. <laughs> you are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. Have you ever heard someone say they want to eat healthy, but it's too expensive? Maybe you wanted to explore natural remedies that last time you caught a cold, but the vitamin aisle was too overwhelming in options and price. I get it, and I've been there. But what if a company did all the research, removed the middleman, and made premium organic foods and products actually affordable? Thrive Market saw the need to bring such quality to the people, and they did just that. Thrive Market gives you premium products at wholesale prices, and they do this by working directly with the top brands, passing the savings on to their members. They only source brands that are the best in health and organic quality, meaning they have done all the homework for you to discover the brands that you will approve of. 
What I love about Thrive Market's website is how easily I can find what I need. By selecting values like nut-free or non-GMO or anything for moms, yes, I have specific values now that I'm a mom, the results are narrowed down without having to waste time reading label after label, wondering if a product really is what they say it is. You can even refine your search by brand certification and awards, environmental and social standards, even specific ingredients or diets. You could not ask for a more user-friendly shopping experience. In one beautifully curated catalog, I can find the healthiest treats for my dogs, the safest bath soap for my baby, the best cleaning product for our home, the yummiest snacks for me and my husband, all of it from respectable brands, all of it at wholesale prices. It is a fantastic one-stop shop and orders straight to your door for those who are in the United States. What's more, for every person who signs up, Thrive Market donates a membership to a low-income family, a veteran, or a teacher. Together, we can make healthy living affordable for everyone. The Thrive Market website regularly posts recipes and tips on how to use the ingredients they sell in delicious and creative ways, so your journey into healthy living is fueled with easy-to-follow inspiration. I love the new home remedies and recipe inspirations that I've learned from all of these posts. Go check it out. Go to thrivemarket.com slash yoga girl to get 25% off of your first order and free shipping and a 30-day free trial. We don't have to surrender to the excuse that it's too expensive to purchase healthy quality ingredients for our bodies, homes, and for the planet. With Thrive Market, you can have your fair trade vegan snack and eat it too. Go to thrivemarket.com slash yoga girl to get 25% off of your first order, free shipping, and a free 30-day trial. With Thrive Market's prices already 25 to 50% below retail, this additional 25% off deal is not to be missed. That's thrivemarket.com slash yoga girl. And there I was, you know, and it sucks for us parents too to spend two hours dancing to Harry Belafonte every night. Like, yeah, there's better things I could do with my time than that. Um, So it's not so much about letting her cry, it's about letting her learn. And my thing was, we did have a couple of nights that were hard. Um, So what I decided was, like, we're never going to get to a place where it gets high pitch or where she gets panicky, you know, but she complains. It's like, you know, like she's complaining, crying, but not really crying. Um, And the books say, so if you go and you pick her up and immediately it's quiet, you know, that means that, yeah, you've kind of been had, like she wanted to get picked up. She's not crying because she's sad or because something is wrong. She just wants to get picked up. So I stopped doing that and it wasn't traumatic. It wasn't hard at all. I just started kind of stroking her back. It took one or two nights of her complaining um, and then she stopped. And now it's like every time she goes down for a nap, every time she goes down for for nighttime, she is not even drowsy. Like I put her down wide, wide, wide awake. And I say, I do the routine and I say, good night, baby. And then I leave the room. And then we listen to her on the monitor for like three, four, five minutes, talking, cooing. Sometimes the cooing becomes like, Ugh, like a little complainish, but no crying. Um, and then it gets quiet. And then she sleeps all night long. <laughs> It's magical. And I wouldn't have believed it if someone would have told me this a month and a half ago because I was in such a horrible, horrible sleep deprived place. I thought it would never get better ever, ever, ever. But it really, 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 really did. And then what I learned after that, so once she started sleeping long stretches, like now she's sleeping from 7 uh, p.m., she sleeps five or six hours and then she feeds once and then she sleeps another five or six hours and then she's up. In the morning, what I do uh, is something called a dramatic wake up, 
which I also find is helpful. Um, so when it's actually morning time and it's 7 a.m. or whenever we normally you know, wake up, I open the blinds, I make the room really bright, and I do a dramatic wake up. And I say, good morning! <laughs> I'm super excited um, so that she really gets to distinguish night from day versus, you know, how else would she know? So if she wakes up at four, and sometimes she would like wake up at three or four, like confused or, you know, just be sad or cry or whatever. And if it's still dark and it's still quiet and it's still nighttime, um, she gets it. Okay, it's not it's not time to get up yet. So if she woke up, she would, you know, self-soothe and put herself back to sleep. Um, and then at seven, I do this dramatic things. And then she knows, okay, it's time for day now. You know, we do fun things in the day and we go downstairs and we eat and we do this and this and this and that. Um, and I think that's been really, 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 really helpful as well. So um, really, okay, of course, there's not like a, you know, oh, I'm hope I hope I'm not oh, like cursing this or like <laughs> just by recording this podcast, I'm going to have a ginormous setback. I really hope that's not the case. Um, we already did have a setback last week where, or actually beginning of this week and last weekend where she was teething. So she had two teeth cut through. And we had four really bad nights uh, in a row where she would wake up like every two, three hours with pain. And it was a totally different type of wake up than before. Before she would just wake up because she never really fell into a deep sleep. Now she would wake up, you know, pulling at her mouth, looking me in the eye, just shrieking with pain. And it was horrible because I didn't know what to do or how to help her. Um, so, of course, I'm not letting her cry. And, you know, she, she spent two nights in our bed, feeding her a lot more during the night, giving her all the comfort that I can. And then the teething pain stopped. And then I realized right away, like, okay, I have to really get back into this strict routine that we had because uh, the first night or two nights after that were like we were regressing. She started waking up again. Um, she started making more noises and complaining more at the times of her naps and her bedtime, which she totally had stopped before. Um, so now we have after the teething, teething crisis, we've had now three really good nights in a row. Um, three full nights with just one feeding in between. So let's uh, hope this is here to stay. Of course, if we end up, you know, everything goes to shit. <laughs> she stops sleeping. Like I'm going to share that with you guys. I'm not trying to sit here on my high horse saying I've found this magic recipe and it's going to work forever. Um, it's working right now. And it definitely got us out of that pit of despair, um, which I thought I was just going to have to live with forever. Um, so I'm so, 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 so grateful to, yeah, to, to these books, um, to Kim West for helping us and giving us those. Um, we actually had sleep consultation with her, which was really helpful where I got to um, share all the little things I was doing in the day. Um, and one thing that I forgot to mention, actually, that I would highly recommend is keeping a sleep log if you're not already doing that. So logging the time uh, that your baby sleeps, how it went down. Um, if she woke up in the night, how many times, what hours, because then you can kind of see if you had a really crappy night, you can go back and look, okay, what happened with her naps in the day, because that's how it connects. So if, you know, there was a crappy nap day, um, something happened in the day where the naps weren't working, normally that reflects in the nighttime and then I can, you know, then you can adjust the next day and, and fix whatever went wrong. So you really set yourselves up for this super awesome full night of sleep. And I'm really hoping that this that this sticks now. And I think it's gonna, I feel really confident. And there's a, there's definitely a freedom in Lea Luna also um, that I can put her down completely awake and she can lie there and, and coo and talk to herself and be, be cozy and not feel like nighttime is this horrible thing. Or imagine if every time you felt sleepy, you were like, oh no, I want to sleep, but I don't know how. <laughs> you know, that sucks. Of course you're going to cry and you're going to complain because that's no fun. And now that she can be like, oh, I'm, I'm sleepy now. Okay, I'm going to, 
I'm going to sleep. See you later. <laughs> and then she just falls asleep. There's definitely freedom in that. Um, not to say that I am avoiding all, all meltdowns and having a way better time overall. You know, there's a reason that they use sleep deprivation as a form of torture. I've said that before, but I totally get it. Like there's nothing worse than not sleeping. Um, so if you're not sleeping right now and you made it through this entire podcast, kudos to you. Hopefully you're able, I mean, even if it's just one tip that you take out of these and they work, um, I, I really hope that you found something of value here. And if you want to read those books, go right ahead. Super highly recommended. Um, just following your own intuition and, and doing what works for you and your baby, but don't give up. Okay. I'm so happy. Like I can actually say like, yeah, we sleep trained her, but not letting her cry it out. Like we, we found a middle road that really, really worked. And I'm super happy about that. Um, if you have any more questions about any of this, um, when I share this in the Instagram post, there's going to be an Instagram post announcing this podcast. Uh, you can put questions in the comment section there, and I'm going to make a super effort to answer as much as I can. Again, remembering that I am not an expert. This is just my own experience, but I'm really happy to share the resources that I use that were helpful um, for me and my baby. So thank you guys so much for listening in. I wish you a beautiful day and above and beyond, above all, a full night's sleep. I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of these on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Huge thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thanks to my sponsors, Daily Harvest, Take Care Of, Thrive Market, and Parachute. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I will see you next week.